Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the 3-1 Podcast here with Coach Mac. I am your host, Mac Alexander. This podcast will dive in deep with some of the most entertaining guests from a different variety of occupations and get them to walk us through different seasons in their lives. The name of this podcast comes from Ecclesiastes 3-1, which says, for everything there is a season, a time, for every activity under heaven. All of our guests have had many wins and losses, triumphs and trials, ups and downs. But all these seasons have made them who they are and also led them to be successful. The stories that they tell will surely be entertaining as well as encouraging to all of you out there. On the podcast today for the episode two, we have Mookie Carlisle. Mookie is a defensive GA working with the secondary at Tulsa University. He is going into his second year coaching, right? Or third year? Third. Third, third year coaching at Tulsa. Um, he's a young coach. And we met for about a three-week stint and became good friends after that. So welcome to this podcast, Coach Mookie. Thanks for having me, Mac. I'm honored. Oh, yeah. All right. Let's get right <laughs> into it. All right, Mook. Tell the audience about where you grew up. So I grew up in uh, Stephenville, Texas. It's about an hour southwest of Fort Worth. It's a, it was a small town. It's, it's growing quite a bit, though. It's where... Uh, Charleston State is, which is where me and Mac met. And uh, so I was born and raised there and uh, went, did all my sports in high school, did all of them, baseball, football, basketball, and uh, just been in sports my whole life pretty much. Okay, okay. Tell us, tell the listeners a little bit about Stephenville, Texas. That, I know I've lived there for about, it was only about eight months. Um, you know, I was born in Arlington, which is about an hour away, but I never, never heard of Stephenville until I got the job at Tarleton State. So for the audience, just kind of tell them more about Stephenville, what makes Stephenville special and unique. What makes Stephenville special, I guess, is it's the cowboy capital of the world. So yes, it is. I, I think, uh, I think I might be wrong on this, but I think like a lot of world champions in rodeo live in Stephenville, which is why they call it that a lot of hall of famers and stuff like that. And actually growing up, my dad, he's a big team roper. And I was, I was born and bred to be a, a rodeo guy on the circuit, but uh, sports kind of took over. So that's, that's kind of Stephenville's claim to fame. It's a real small town. Uh, when I was playing and when I was growing up, Friday nights were, it's a typical small town Texas story where, the, we, we had more fans at our high school games than they did at Charlton State for a long time and probably still do. Um, it's it's just your typical kind of small town area where Friday nights kind of rules. Mm-hmm. So you basically lived out Friday Night Lights, the movie, every single Friday, didn't you? Yeah, not not as much drama, but it was it was the same premise for sure. Where did you guys play? Did you guys play at Tarleton Stadium? We played at Charlton Stadium. We we didn't have our own, uh, and that was that was even back in the Browse days when they were there. With Steamville still doesn't have their own stadium, so that's we always played on their field. Gotcha. Okay. So growing up in a small town in Texas, you obviously love football. Did you know at an early age that that's what you wanted to do and go play college football one day? I knew or on an early age I wanted to be a professional baseball player. That was. That was my love. It probably, honestly, deep down, probably still is my favorite sport. I love baseball. I love going to games. And I was I was really good at baseball. I was good at everything I did growing up. But I knew I, once I got into kind of junior high and, and high school, baseball was still at the forefront. But 
I also was really good at football and probably a little bit better at football. And then hit about my sophomore year after my, after my sophomore year, started getting, you know, all the mail and stuff from the big universities. I really didn't even understand the recruiting process at all. College, growing up in Stephenville, only thing you cared about was Stephenville high school football. Everything else, like, yeah, you had your teams you root for in college, but I, I never thought past college. All I thought about was being a yellow jacket playing football on Friday nights. And then all of a sudden this mail and stuff and calls and everything were starting to come in. So it kind of eyes. And then I figured out like football is what I wanted to do for sure. I gotcha. I gotcha. Well, I love it. What, uh, what position do you play in baseball? Uh, I did. It, it depended on kind of the age point, but once I got kind of into high school and junior high, I was either third base outfield or, or pitcher. Could you, could you throw some heat? What was your favorite pitch? Uh, it was just a two seam fastball. I'm, I'm, and when I was a freshman, I got clocked at like an 89 and mm-hmm. then, and then my sophomore year of football, I, I think it's called sublex, sublex my right shoulder. And I just wasn't able to throw it the same again. I was still able to pitch, but I wasn't able to do it quite, quite as well. But at that point too, is when football kind of became the forefront of what I wanted to do. I knew I wanted to go play college ball. I got you. Man, 89, that's impressive. I did not know that. Yeah. I know this. I, I I was able to. I was I was pretty pretty lengthy as a freshman and could just like like I said, baseball is what I focused on. I pitched a lot, did a lot of private lessons and stuff because that was my main focus. So it was it was something I was proud of. Gotcha. All right, last Stephenville question. Where's your favorite place to eat in Stephenville? Uh it's gotta be it's gotta be Jake and Dorothy's. It's uh really? it's old cafe. Go to Jake and Dorothy's. I never went there. I never went to Jake and Dorothy's. It's and there, there's there's another restaurant uh, about thirty minutes away called Mary's that has a good chicken fried steak and everyone loves it, but it's not as good as uh, as Jake and Dorothy's. That's my my family took me there. My dad takes me there. We still go there. Best chicken fried steak you'll ever have. Hand cut waffle fries. It's it, it was on the cover of Texas Monthly too back in the day. That's how good it was. Wow. How what? Oh. To get on my wife, I don't know why we never went. I'm pretty sure I told you to a couple of times. You probably did. You probably did. Yeah. We weren't together for so long. So, okay, going into college. So, talk me through kind of your recruiting process and kind of how it was for you coming out of high school, especially being a small town. You know, a lot of people don't necessarily recruit small towns like that very hard um, because there's typically you know there's one to two guys maybe every year, if not yeah. less. So, kind of walk me through the recruiting process, like kind of what you learned and. What led you going to, to UTEP? Well, so like I said, in my sophomore years, when I started getting my first my first mailer was from Oklahoma, and uh, as a as a sophomore going into my junior year, and then uh, started getting invites for to go to games. My starting my junior year and, and went to a lot of those. My first one was was actually Oklahoma in 2012, and then I, I got a lot of those. And then Tech was calling me, and I would talk Texas A and M, like a lot of Big Twelve and Big 12 schools were the big guys recruiting me. Um, Tech said they were going to offer, but then Tuberville left to go to uh, Cincinnati in 2012. So so the new staff wasn't a big fan of me. And then UTEP came in and offered uh, in May of 2013, which was the end of my junior year. And uh, that ended up being, well, besides Tarleton State, ended up being my my only true Division I offer. The school that actually talked to me the most most often, and I had a better relationship with was uh, Texas. Mm-hmm. Uh, and part partially, that was me more recruiting them. I was really 
kept, I kept emailing Dwayne Aquino all the time and messaging him. And, and we actually had a decent correspondence going on, but then they, Mac Brown got fired that year, the end of my senior year in December, but I, I committed to UTEP back in, in July mm-hmm. 13 and then ended up signing with them and became a minor, mighty minor. <laughs> okay. UTEP. University of Texas, El Paso. What was it like going from Stephenville down to El Paso? You know, I've was, been to El Paso. driving yeah. on that highway. There's that fence right there. And then just <laughs> yeah. a little, I mean, it's beautiful. I mean, the sun's out all the time and uh, the yeah. sun bowl, I've never been there, but it's just uh, pictures and videos I've seen. looks pretty cool. Um, yep. What was it like in El Paso? Well, so like I said, it's the cowboy capital of the world. So small town, bunch of white people. I mean, then then you went to El Paso, which was the borderland. You from being the the majority to being the minority, and uh, and and that that came from being in El Paso and being on the football team too. Because uh, I mean, everybody I played with, I grew up with. Since I mean, that, that we grew up together the whole our whole lives, and then all of a sudden going to El Paso, where I'd go to the grocery store, and the and the cashier would laugh at me and say, "You're not from here, are you?" I, I guess I have a a Texas country accent and I'd go here and I, I got, I got, it took me a while to get used to hearing Spanish all the time because that, I mean, everywhere you went, they were speaking Spanish and, and yeah, every, my sophomore year when I moved out of off of campus, I would drive by uh, Juarez every morning and I was 200 yards from the border every, every day. And I eventually got used to it, but it was definitely a culture shock. And, and uh, it, it was a good place, a lot of good food for sure. Yeah, yeah. But I did I did struggle with kind of being away from home and being in like that mountain desert area because I've you know Stephenville trees, grass, rolling plains, and you go to the mountain, the high the high desert where it's like you said the sun shining all the time, and I like cloudy, rainy weather, so it didn't blend with me very well. But I was just being picky. Yeah, El Paso is a lot like where I grew up in Colorado. It's very yeah. like East Texas and down there is very similar to Western Colorado. Um, yeah. At least what I've been told. So I'm sorry you didn't like the the dryness, the you know, <laughs> air, and all the sun. You need to come live up in Washington with me to get all the get all your rain that you want. <laughs> I love that. So, what was it like playing there? What was uh, you know, what was your experience playing there? What was that like? So it was, you know, being at a small school, I mean, you were the best. I, I was the only kid in my whole class at Steamboat, any sport, if I remember correctly, that was offered a D1 scholarship and went and played D1. Mm-hmm. So I went from being a, a big fish in my little pond to at UTEP, who was a program that was struggling when I got there. And uh, all of a sudden you get surrounded by grown men that, you know, from Houston, from Dallas, JUCO kids from California that, that you know you're you, I'm not I'm not two inches taller than everybody anymore I'm on the same height or shorter depending on what's going on I was the biggest safety there yeah and that's I lacked in speed when it came to everything else but our, our head coach Sean Coogler who I respect a lot he was a he was an awesome guy to play for I mean I would I would run through a brick wall for him everybody would even if you didn't like him because it was it was the way he just treated us he treated us like like grown men and made us accountable for everything. Mm-hmm. And I love that part of it. It was, it was awesome playing for him. We ran a tough program. You know, we were tackling every day, banging every day, spring ball, banging every day in, in fall camp. And uh, even, even on Monday or Tuesday mornings practice, you know, we're tackling in, in season. 
and it was it was tough. A lot of work. Our defense was complicated, but I love playing in it. It was fun, and uh, love love getting to travel. You know, get to go to see some cool places. Comp USA. It's not that exciting of a conference when it comes to location, but and uh, I I liked playing for them a lot. I, I struggled with being in El Paso though. Just just mm-hmm. personally, I liked the football aspect, and and I ultimately transferred. Um, but looking back, I wish I'd have been a little more mature and I wish my parents would have maybe stamped their foot down a little bit harder saying, Hey, you need to stay and at least give it one more year, you know? And there were some other factors to it because my grade or my grades were good, but my advisor messed up my schedule where I was supposed to graduate in two and a half years. I got pushed back to three and a half years. So there's a couple factors in it, but the football aspect of it, I loved, I love being a part of that program. Okay. I love that. Now you, you probably know, more about the whole transfer process. That's just a, you know, a part of college football now, which is, um, which is good. And I don't think it's any different. You know, you look at everyone's transferring nowadays, but I think kids have always transferred. It's just now it's easier to transfer. So it's out there for the public that everyone can look to, but um, a little off subject, but okay. So you transferred, you went to TCU, correct? Yep, TCU. You went from El Paso and you went to downtown Fort Worth, TCU, private yep. Christian school. Funky town. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fort Worth's good. I got family. Uh, my aunt and uncle live. It's literally like three minutes away from the TCU's campus. It's just right yeah. there. Um, so I know, you know, my my uncle is a big TCU guy. So yeah. uh, you can actually kind of see their stadium from their backyard. It's pretty awesome. But that's awesome. Talk, talk me through TCU. What 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 was that like? Well, so I'll kind of backtrack a little bit. So the reason I transferred and my dream school was always the University of Texas. That was. Mm-hmm dream school so that's when when they were kind of recruiting me a little bit in high school that's I was all in for that I applied there and of course they denied me which hell I had I had a 4.0 you know (laughs) whatever it was I wasn't good enough so I didn't get Texas well once I as soon as I figured out Texas didn't accept me I applied to Baylor and TCU and uh, because I, I had a I had an old teammate that played at Baylor and this was before all the stuff went down there in 16 so this was this was in spring of 16 mm-hmm. and, and TCU accepted me two or three weeks later. And I was like, I told my mom, I got accepted and my grandparents are going to help me pay for it. Cause obviously it's a private and uh, coach, coach Cumby, Sonny Cumby, he was at Texas tech when he was recruiting me. And then now he ended up going to TCU. So that was kind of my connection there. And the reason I left UTEP was because going, and I know why now, but, going through that recruiting process in high school, I had all the big schools. I, I mean, I went to Oklahoma state, went to tech, went to A&M, went to Baylor, uh, had opportunities to go to K state and LSU and all and for game visits. I got to see that whole atmosphere. So that's what I wanted. And I also thought in my head, I was better than UTEP and I wanted to go. I couldn't sit there and not try to go big 12 and play at a power five. That was just something that was stuck in my head, yeah. whether bad, wrong, good or indifferent. So that's why I went to TCU and first day at TCU, I was obviously going as a walk-on, uh, backpedaling like I've done a million times in my life and tore the ligament on my arch. is a list Frank injury. And the first time I've, I've like, I don't even think I've broken a bone yet in my life. And that thing popped. And so I had to get MRI. It was a centimeter away from having to have surgery. And because I was a walk-on, they had to cut me and say, come back in the, in the spring and so I was essentially a normal college student for the first semester at TCU. And uh, at first I kind of liked it because I was able to relax and, and 
and just kind of chill. But after about two or three weeks, I, I hated doing nothing in my, not, not that a normal college student doesn't do anything, but yeah. I was used to doing sports and having that structure and doing all that. So I hated that and uh, got back on the team in spring and got to see Gary Patterson coach. And he's, he's definitely a character, but uh, I, I like the way he coached too, though, but did that for a, a spring ball. And then after that and decided to end up transferring to Tarleton state uh, with coach Todd Whitten, who old, who recruited me when he was at Utah. All right, so I want you to kind of take me, you know, because um, now we know this. There's the, sometimes there's a difference from group of five schools like UTEP to mm-hmm. TCU. It's a power five school. Even though TCU um, – that how long were they in the Big 12 at that point? They, they got in the Big 12 in 2012. Okay, so they've been in there for a few years already. And yeah. They, it's a different level. What was that experience like? Did you see a different, like, level of athletes, especially within the DB group that you were playing with? And um, – I don't know. Just, just talk to me. I've always thought about that. You know, I didn't play D one ball, but yeah. Uh, honestly, the to me the biggest difference, and I, I've heard arguments on both sides, but from what I saw between UTEP and TCU was the difference in the line game, mm-hmm. on D line O line. So that to me that was the biggest difference. I I I felt like, and of course I'm biased towards me, but I I really felt like I was able to kind of compete with the DBs. Yeah, but maybe that's my mentality. And like I said, I'm biased towards me, but in drills and stuff, I was able to be step for step in, in my opinion. And uh, I actually remember Patterson came over cause I was beating the scholarship guy in our drills. It, I was just faster than he was. And Patterson came over here and ripped him a new one, telling him how's a walk on beating you in this and that drill, whatever. <laughs> uh, and so, yeah, that, that kind of, you know, made me puff up my chest a little bit more, but I really felt like I could have competed with them if I'd have stayed, but being a walk on, you know, there's, there's just hurdles that you can't really control, you know, when it comes to stuff like that. And I missed the whole fall where the whole coach could have known me on scout team and stuff like that. So it was, it it was a good experience. So I I really did. I liked being at TCU. I was closer to home. Made made a really good friend there. It was another walk on and me and him are as thick as thieves. We're tight, tight as can be. And he's, he's one of my great friends. And so, got some good stuff out of it I really did it's awesome it's awesome okay then you go to Tarleton take you go back home go play for the the what are they the Texans in purple Texans or yeah. the purple right um yep. walk me through what it was like to kind of come back home and then just kind of where it all started you get a you know kind of end your football career yeah so you know Tarleton kind of runs to the family because my mom went to Texas Tech got her master's at Tarleton my mm-hmm. sister volleyball at Tarleton and graduated from there and then my brother-in-law he played football at Tarleton as well in, in 2009-2010 so and you know being in Stephenville I did not want to go to Tarleton <laughs> they, you know, they offered me to play and their whole selling point was you know staying closer to home well I, I didn't want anything to do with that and and honestly I, I don't know if I would have gone to Tarleton if coach Witten was not there because I, and this is the part about Coach Witten. I remember him, you know, when he when he when we had our, our recruiting talks, we didn't talk about football. We just talked about life. You know, it wasn't it wasn't a stressful conversation every time he called me. It wasn't, you know, how much you weigh in, how fast you run in this stuff. It was just talking about deer hunting or fishing or just anything in general. Oh, yeah. When I got to UTEP and finally I was signed and everything, I'm there in the summer. He uh 
he could have, you know, not talked to me anymore because he's a receivers coach. and I'm a DB guy. He got me here. He doesn't have to talk to me anymore. First weekend, he invited me over to have dinner with him and his wife uh, when he didn't have to. And so that was that always had a lasting effect on me with Coach Wynn. So that's why I went to Charlton. And uh, my old high school buddies were still there when I got there and actually moved in with one of them. My mom owned a rent house. And so kind of – and I was away from them for two years, you know, but kind of rekindled that. And there's some good things that come with it. There's some bad things that come with it too. Uh, there, I, I'm a firm believer you need to leave home for a while just just to kind of – figure out your, yourself, but I like to be in there. It's a lot different. You know, you're in the JV locker room as a walk-on. No, I mean, it's totally different. The equipment's not as good. You got to bring your own cleat sometimes, just, just stuff like that. Oh yeah. Uh, I, I liked, I liked, I liked coach Witten, how he ran the program. And that's where I met coach Patton. And uh, like I said, like we were talking about earlier, he really shaped the way I look at defensive back and, and how I would coach that position. And, uh, and honestly, I really enjoyed Charlton because even within Stephenville, it's kind of its own little community in a way because you have a lot of kids coming from the DFW um, anywhere, really, because it's a cheap school, but it's a, it's a quality university. So it's, you can be in Stephenville, but not be in it the way you grew up if yep. you really wanted to. Yep. No, and I uh, will come back, but I agree with that because, you know, where I went to school, it was 60 miles away from my hometown. And that was where, like, all my rivals were. I went to camp growing up there my entire life. I was like, I'm never coming here. Like, yeah. they were, I was like, I don't even know why. My dad convinced me to go on a visit. And for whatever reason, and it was the best experience that ever happened to me. And I yeah. love, you know, but I, but it was, for me, it was close. It was far enough, but it was also close enough where I could yeah. go home and do laundry, you know, especially <laughs> stuff like that, but also where I had my own life. My parents weren't there, but yep. Just the whole college experience being close to home, I do think, is a positive. Once you were, once you know you've experienced other things, you always come back home. So, yeah. all right. So, you transferred two times. You were at you were at three different schools. Yep. Walk me through if you could like kind of go back and put all that your full experience, um, just in a simple explanation of what you learned and what how you grew as just a man now is. Um, what do you think the biggest thing you learned from that whole experience was? Uh, that's a, that's a good question. Um, I'll, I'll give kind of two answers from a football perspective. It was great because I got to see three different coaches. Yep. I got to kind of be a part of three different schemes. One scheme I knew really, really well, which is one at Utah, TCU, Patterson, if you're a walk-on, doesn't really, you know, it's weird how they teach it. They don't have a playbook because I think someone stole it one time or something, or selling it out of their car or something like that. So they all dropped on the board. And uh, so I didn't really get to learn all of that. And then then I got to see how Coach Witten did it. And I've talked about three different style of coaches, Sean Kubler, O-line, and the NFL coach, that very authoritarian. And and Patterson is in his own way too. Offensive guy, defensive guy. And then you got Coach Witten, who's as laid back as – as can be until game day and, and when he's when he gets angry. But I uh, got to see a lot of different ways how practice is done, stuff like that. Uh, from a personal side, probably some sometimes the grass isn't always greener. But uh, like I said, in my head, I don't know if I'd have been able to live with it if I'd have stayed at UTEP and not tried to make it at the Power Five, yeah. and. So I think I think you learn sometimes you go for that dream and it 
doesn't mean it's going to work out just because you committed a thousand percent to it and you know this is what you want to do that doesn't mean you're going to be a star for tcu you know and, and also though sometimes you got to reevaluate and saying is this move really worth it because at utep i was going to be a starting because they actually moved me down because we went from a four two five to a three four mm-hmm. moved me down to the sam linebacker which was just an overhang guy kind of like what our strong safety was in the four two five and uh and so I got to, I got to learn that part of it, but understanding that it's not it's not always greener on on the other side, and sometimes you're in a good spot without knowing it. So and and like I said, I would have loved to stick through four years of UTEP and have that place be called home. And I made I made two really good friends there too, and and I think that's the part that I kind of regret is not you know saying hey I went to UTEP. It may not be the most famous school in the world or be the best football program, but I could call that my own home, you know, for 40 years. I wish I'd been able to do that. But now I don't – I mean, you say I, – I can say I graduated from Charlton, but I was only there for, you know, a year and a half before I got my degree or two years, you know. Yeah. So that's, that's the kind of stuff I missed out on. Yeah. But that's okay, though. I think, you know, you going to different places now, you're going to be able to – especially now as a coach, you're going to be able to just lay down wisdom for when you get to recruit high school kids, recruit high school kids, and also going into the kids that are within your own team – you know, yep. especially being a younger guy, we can have a deeper, not deeper, but just a, we're, we're, our experiences were closer to their experiences. So it's, we can coach them and teach them different things from what we learned and hopefully, you know, help them. You know, I learned, I heard this guy say, um, you know, everyone says the grass isn't always greener, but the grass is always green where you're at if you mow it and you water it. Yeah. So, like it, it, it. But it's very true. Like what you can make, it's not always greener, it, but it, wherever you are, you know, you know, pastors always say bloom where you're planted and all that stuff, but the grass is always, is always green if you mow it and you water it. So um, just being where you're at. So another thing on that is that uh, I think one thing I lacked at that age when I was at UTEP is being able to look inside myself and look at my mentality. Cause I kind of went to UTEP with kind of a negative mentality. Cause I, I wanted to go to Texas, you know, I wanted to go to the blue blood program because they were talking to me. I thought it was going to happen. And I wish I'd been able to kind of reset my thinking on stuff and and look into my my mind frame and and reevaluate that. So that's kind of the same thing you were just talking about. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Okay, so you, you got done playing at Tarleton, right? And then what did you when did you decide you wanted to coach? I mean, I know you, you talked about all these other coaches, and I think you had a one thing that's always impressed me about you is I don't remember anything that I played in college. I remember like two coverages and that's it. But I was yeah. like, I'm, that's not how my mindset was. So I always thought it was awesome how you you took so much from the coaches you played with. And I wish I would have, yeah. looking back, I wish I would have done that more. Yeah. Um, so when did you know you wanted to get into coaching and coach football? Man, so I would, I would say, I don't know, it's hard for me to tell because I've always, even in high school, Coach Kevin Wilson, he was my DB coach. And uh, – that me and him had a real special connection really quick. And, uh, I, I knew then, like, I always knew I wanted to play as long as I could mm-hmm. but I said to myself, you know, once I'm done playing, I want to, I want to be a coach for, for sure. And so I knew that. And then, and then I got to the division one level and I was like, man, I really want to coach at the division one level. Like that's, that'd be awesome. Like it's, get to play in these cool places, get to be on TV, all that stuff. And uh, it's just, it's just kind of started in high school, just the relationships that I've had. And even in college, I didn't have, I had some relationships that weren't that great. 
not that we not that they were negative, but we just didn't have the same connection. Some for some reason, me and my DB coach at UTEP, we we got along fine. We just didn't always have the greatest kind of connection. We couldn't talk about talk about personal stuff in the same way that I could with other coaches. You know, mm-hmm. I've always I've always wanted to to be a coach since high school. I guess. I got you. Okay, so obviously Coach Witten was very fond of you, so it was easy for you to kind of get into that role. How did you know? I got there right when you you were still bailing hay or something before you. Um, when I got there, but did you just go up and talk to him? Did you talk to him during before the year started? You know how did how did you convince him to let to have him give you a chance, basically? So with with Coach Witten, I remember it was it was after the uh, the eighteen season. Um, I got hurt I, every year of football since I was playing in high school. I had an injury every year and uh, broken, broken bones, concussions, shoulders, all of it. And uh, it was after the 18 season, we just went on a run to, I, th- I think it was the quarterfinals or semifinals, but I was hurt through all of it. Yep. I knew I had one year left because I, because in D2, they, they go by semesters. So I was going to, I was going to go, what do you call it? Part-time in the yep. spring of 19. So I could play in the fall of 20 or fall of 19 for my last year. And uh, Coach Witten's known I've wanted to coach since he was recruiting me, and uh, it was it was in it was in January of nineteen. I actually they called me up to you know host a recruit, and during that time to sign him. Yeah. And uh, I walked in his office. We talked for a little bit. And I said, "Hey, Coach. Uh, obviously, I want to get in coaching." I was like, "You already know that." And uh, what should I be doing? Anything now? Because I know you know nineteen is my last season. Uh, should I should I be doing anything? He goes, yeah. He goes, you know, all all the connections I made at UTEP playing for those guys and anybody I know, just email my resume and just say, hey, I'm looking for a GA spot um, after after I'm done playing in 19. So just keep me in mind. Hope everything's going good. Sent that to I don't know how many people. I I, I think even Gobi when he was at Hawaii, Coach Gobi, I sent it to him. I don't think he responded to me though. <laughs> just but uh, he so I sent him that. Well. I go through part-time and I can't work out. I can't do spring ball. I can't do anything with the team. I can obviously work out and do that stuff on my own, but so Memorial day weekend, I think, is that the one in May? Is it Memorial yep. Day weekend? Yep. At the end of May, uh, coach Patton calls me and uh, calls me in his office. And I was like, this is kind of, kind of weird. And uh, he sits me down he starts talking. He goes, Hey, Mook, uh, we have a GA spot coming open. He goes, we know you want to get into coaching. He goes, we know you've been injured a lot. He goes, and I don't take this that we don't want you to play because we obviously want you to play because I mean they're going to keep me on scholarship and everything. He goes, but it's open in case you know you're thinking of of getting into coaching right now just because of injuries and everything. And so I went to the Colonial Golf Tournament. I told him, hey coach, let me think about it for the weekend. Went to the Colonial Golf Tournament Fort Worth, <laughs> hung out, and came back on Monday and I said, yeah, I, I want to be a, I want to be a GA. And so from when I was part-time, I was, I was hauling hay uh, at a feed store from, from March till then. And then, uh, so yeah, they offered me the GA spot and that, that was just me being kind of proactive before I even thought I was going to be coaching. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's, that's how I got kind of gotten to coach Wynn's ear about it. Man. Did not know that. It's crazy. Crazy yeah. experience right there. So I still had one year left of eligibility and I hung up the it's like I'm getting into coaching. Technically, you could always go back to D two and still play. That's I guess so. Yeah, those D two rules work. 
you're a yeah. thing you still have you can go back and play. So I'll remember that. I don't think they want me anymore. They got too many good athletes now. Yeah, not Tarleton. Maybe another school. You know, I'm, yeah. I'm not gonna say where, but maybe another school. <laughs> um okay, so now you weren't at Tarleton very long. Very long. Let's talk about let's go into kind of how we met because our, our relationship, people always ask me, you still talk to Mookie? I was like, Yeah, I talk to Mookie all the time. Yeah. Like, we, we we were literally hung out together for like three weeks and all we did was argue for that. <laughs> yeah. So but we also like, you know, I was coming off I know you know my story, but I was coming off, you know, getting let go, didn't mm-hmm. have a job. I was out of a job for like six months. Um, Coach Patton, luckily, Brockett, Blake Brockett left and um he called me, he goes, Hey, get back on your feet, come take this job. I know it's not what you want, but come work with me again and let's just and we're gonna be good. I'm like, okay. My wife was convinced. So it came out. But I get there. I remember I get there and all the other coaches are on vacation. And yeah. I don't know why I was there. And it was me, you, and Coach Head, Chad Head, just sitting in the office by ourselves, not doing anything. The, <laughs> like, the AC wasn't working. The AC wasn't working. Oh yeah, the AC wasn't working. It was hot. It was <laughs> We were breaking down Texas film. We were just doing a bunch of random projects for everybody because everyone was gone. Yeah. And that's just kind of where our relationship, I guess, sprouted. Um, so what do you kind of remember of that time before, you know, you left? We worked at camp. We had to stay in the dorm. Yeah. Well, so so I remember the first time I saw you, too. It was because I remember telling Coach Witten, like, I had to give my two weeks notice for the hay and feed ranch. I said, they still need me, yada, 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 yada. And he goes, okay, well, Saturday we have a camp, uh, be here. And I said, okay, because that's when you'll start. Well, I walk in the door, it's, you know, 7.30, and I see this guy. I think your head on was on, was on backwards, too. Probably. I can't remember. Probably was. And I was like, who is this dude? And I remember we just walked by and said, hey, or whatever, and I walk in. And I, I didn't know you from Jim. I didn't know, I didn't know who the other guy was going to be. And then we get in there, and we have our little meeting about the camp. And then all of a sudden I figure out you're the other DB GA. And so me and you, did, I remember our first conversation about what drills we were supposed to do for camp. Cause Pat just pretty much went, y'all, y'all run it. And, and then I, then I, you know, we started talking and started hitting it off. And I remember us setting up tables in front of everything uh, before camp started. And, and then we hit it off there and just had to, I think we even roomed together during, during camp too. Yeah, we, we were the only ones we had to stay the night with all these these, these yeah. high school kids and made all the pizza and I tried yeah. to convince you guys we need to sell pizza so we can make some money. <laughs> believe me then we, we walked away with like two hundred dollars each like I don't yeah. know and yeah we almost didn't give it to family it was great it was a great time um <laughs> yeah. oh, we hit it off from there and like you said you're sitting in those that office I didn't see Patton I think two times before I left and uh it was just me you uh Tate Chad Head and Coach Witten in there just doing oddball stuff, breaking down Texas, LSU, all these, all these other schools. And it was, it was a short three weeks, but me and you for sure hit it off without a doubt. All right. So you obviously left and you went to Tulsa, um, kind of the right place, the right time, right? Yep. Talked about a little about Tulsa. I know, you know, we can talk about the DC and how he's your, your guy. Um, mm-hmm. Just kind of talk about how that kind of went into place too. So how I got the GA job. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, this came back into when I talked to coach Whitten and said, Hey, how do I need to start looking for GA stuff? I know I want to get into college. Well, coach Gillespie, the DC at Tulsa, he, 
was my head coach at Steamville High School. Uh, I mean, he, Gillespie knew me since I was in diapers. Like, he, you know, he's known me forever. Well, I sent him stuff, and he responded and said, hey, uh, glad you're wanting to get into coaching. We don't have anything open right now, but I'll, if I hear anything, I'll let you know. Didn't hear from him for, you know, six months. And then at right, it was a Tuesday after 4th of July. I get a, I'm sitting at the desk, and I get a call from Coach Gillespie. In my mind, I go, the only reason he's calling me is for a GA job. <laughs> He called me, and, and sure enough, he you know he he can be long winded. He likes to tell stories. He's very methodical. After about twenty minutes in the conversation, he finally pops the question like he's asking me to marry him or something. Finally, <laughs> hey, we have a GA spot open, and uh, I, I said, Coach, I, I I'd love to do it, but I gotta ask Coach Witten because it's getting close to camp. Yeah, camp coming up. I was like, I gotta ask Coach Witten if I if I leave him, if I'll put him in the bind, then I won't I won't go. But I want to. He goes, Okay, talk to Coach Witten. Well, I talked to Coach Witten, and before I could even finish my sentence, Coach Witten's like, No, you need to go take it. You need to go do it. This is be huge. So that's that's how I ended up getting the the D one GA spot. Old old high school head coach who's now the DC there. And it's something I emailed six months earlier and he just <laughs> Amazing, amazing how things work out. Um I remember when you told me, first of all, I was pissed. And I was like, because I was like, ah, oh, I don't want to hang out with here with Coach Head all the time without <laughs> you. Um, even though I love Coach Head. Coach Head is one of my good friends. But because yep. um, we just had a great time arguing all the time. It would have been a great season. But yep. you were like doubting it. I was like, what are you talking about doubting it? You got to go. Like, who cares? Yep. You'll sleep on a couch somewhere until you figure it out. Because you were worried about living and all that stuff. And I was like, yep. just go. Um, so now you're there. You left us at Tarleton. We were pretty good, but you know, yeah. um, good times. But talk to me. You know, now you've been there for going into your third year. What's like the biggest thing you've learned at Tulsa? You know, you've been around D1 ball, but now being a D1 GA, you know, a lot of <clears throat> people talk about it. But um, what's like the biggest thing you've learned being there so far? Uh, Most impactful thing you've learned. One one thing one thing that I've learned. And it kind of it's, it's hit me because I didn't really have it in in my college playing experience was was a relationship with the players um, that we're big on that at Tulsa and it's for better and for worse. There's good and bad with that, you know. Yeah. Um, but I these these coaches like I, these kids will come in and sit in these kids these coaches' offices and talk, actually talk, not just hey grades lifting homework, that kind of stuff. It's, they really know each other, they know each other's families, all that stuff. And don't get me wrong. I don't think you should share everything that's going on with your spouse to your players. So there's some boundaries and stuff, but really, really caring for them is something that, that I've seen our staff do and our staff, our staff for the most part is younger guys, you know, yeah. younger than 50, younger than 40. And uh, that, that's, that's always been their MO is just caring for them. And I've also learned that there's there's more than one way to do it and be and still be successful. It may not be something I agree with because you know as a GA I know it all, right? I know everything. Yeah, so something I might disagree with. It's it's still it's irrelevant because there's different ways to to skin a cat. It's and that's something I've learned a lot too. And to be open minded and be able to to talk about things and talk about ideas and, and just say hey sometimes and and I'll be honest they they kind of. I have a, I have a decent voice here as as GAs go, you know, because Coach Gillespie lets me kind of speak and he'll ask my opinion on stuff, which is awesome. It kind of 
you know, one morning when you're kind of feeling down, the DC asks you your opinion on something, kind of perks you up for the rest of the day, kind of makes you feel better. So they do a really good job of including everybody's voice. Obviously, some voices are weightier than others, but uh, I get treated really well here in Tulsa, get taken care of too, because you hear all the horror stories of other GA spots. And and I thankfully, I haven't had any of those. I get treated really well here. Yeah, for sure. No, but I think the whole relationship aspect of it, um, you know, that's, I think it goes back to, I mean, I hope, I hope you realize this now, but it goes back to one of the stories you talked about with Coach Witten, how he recruited you in that and when you were at UTEP. And then when you got there, he invited you over to his house. That's what, that was one of Coach Witten's best things. He's a player's coach. Um, yep. loves his guys and puts his guys first. And it's the best thing Coach Rolo does here at Washington State. Um, it's all about our guys. And that's, you know, I think a lot of times in football, especially as coaches nowadays, there's so much money involved and different things. But we got to understand why we got into this. First, we love the game. The X's and O's are awesome. But I tell people all the time, I couldn't coach unless I had the players. The X's yeah. and O's are boring after a while. Um, I want to get to know my guys. And I take my role as a – leader whether you're a GA whatever role you're in I take that very highly of being a role model and because you don't know you never know who's watching you and how you react to every situation like I still remember how my coaches you know reacted in high school going back to college like I know how they react to certain situations and um, you can have the biggest impact on kids for 75 years by being real teaching them life lessons outside of game football um And I think that's awesome that you get to learn that from your staff. And like you said, we all think we have the answers until we get put in that situation and we never, and then we might, you know, fall back on what we know, what we've learned. Yep. Um, there's always different ways to do it. Yep. Creative ways to teach and impact our guys. I think that makes this profession awesome because in the end we're teachers and we got to teach them, not just, not always about football. So we'll teach them football. That's what we do well, but teaching them about life. Yeah. You know? So I think that's, that's awesome. I'm fired up that you're there. So, well, and, and when I first got there and you know, you know, my personality, like when I don't know you, I can be a little standoffish. And that's when I was got there early on, you know, I I was too busy worried trying to learn the defense and trying to learn how to break down film on Exos. I've never done it. It's always been huddle. And even at Tarleton, I didn't do it that much. Yeah. I was learning all the, the computer stuff, being the tech guy, all this and that. It, t- it took me a while to really get to know everybody's name and I'm terrible with names to begin with. And that, and of course I had to take care of the defense first and just being around them offense. I don't, I'm still learning those guys' names on, on some ends of it. But uh, it, it was awesome when I finally, cause I started developing a couple good relationships with a couple safeties and it always be cool when, when they'd come in my office and we're just talking about whatever, it's not even football related, but they just come in. And the fact that they're comfortable enough to come sit down with me while I'm, doing doing some kind of task it's 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 pretty rewarding and it's something it's something simple it's a 10 15 minute conversation but two, two years ago they wouldn't be doing that they'd just be walking by saying what's up now they're coming in and sitting down and want to talk so that's that's rewarding in, in and of itself yeah i'm telling you just wait wait till you get married and you have kids i mean for all the time we put into this and you know not sleeping a lot and all that stuff when you get to get involved your wife and bring them over to your house yep. have time with them i'm telling you it's the most it's the best part of this profession in my you know games and everything winning is awesome but you know still being able to call you know i'm still young but being able to call guys i coached five years ago to yep. see where they're at and just talking to them and just reminiscing 
you know, that's one of my favorite things is seeing them succeed and we're, you know, chasing their dreams while I'm still chasing mine. Like it's, yeah. um, it's awesome. And it's, it's, uh, you know, it's why we do what we do. And I think you know, as coaches, we can't lose sight of that because that's yeah. what, you know, at least that's why I got into this. Cause I just loved it. And I love getting to know guys. And well, the best thing for you is being able to coach. I know you get to help especially teams more. Yeah, you get, you get to know everybody. Yep. You need to know about your team because you got to figure out where they're going to fit within your unit. And that's yep. what special teams, in my opinion, so special because I know literally everybody on our team because I have to. Um, that that will help you for sure right there as well. So. Well, it's funny. We, we were having a conversation before our spring ball practice yesterday. Our DC kind of got to down to the roots of it of why do you play the game? And essentially everyone's answer was because it was fun growing up. And I think I think that's – when you get into coaching for the right reason. For me, the reason I got into coaching is because of the few awesome relationships that I've had with prior coaches. That is the same concept to, to me. You you love playing football because it was fun. I want to coach because the coaches before me that they really impacted me. And so that's all right. In five years, where do you want to be in your career? How old are you? 25? 25. Oh my gosh. To be young. All right. In five years. Where do you want to be in your life? Uh, well, I want to hopefully be married by that point. I mean, and it helped when I was going, when I was getting into, into college, I thought I'd find my wife in college and be married by 24, 23, <laughs> you know, but it's okay. The, the timeline has been pushed back, but hopefully, hopefully by the time I'm 30, I'll, I'll find the one because it, it's hard, especially, you know, at being a GA, thankfully I've had to move a lot, but a lot of guys, you know, sometimes you do. And even when you're a position coach, you'll bounce around to three different schools in five years, you know. Yep. And uh, so hopefully I've, I've found that at some point. And then uh, as professionally, um, I, I, want to, I want to be a position coach for sure. Um, I'd, I'd love to be a DC, but in five years, that's, that's a pretty lofty goal depending on certain situations, but you know, it's all about timing and all about how that stuff works out. But obviously I don't want to be a GA anymore, but trying trying to try to get to the position coach title, but that's where I'd like to be. That's a very long winded question answer, but I'll take it. (laughs) um, I don't want you to lose sight on obviously, you know, I'm an old GA, but don't lose sight. Enjoy the time of being a GA because um, I think the one of the most the things that I think we need to take the most from it is we can learn. There's not as much pressure on us to uh-huh. get stuff. I mean, there's pressure to get stuff done, but like recruiting, um, you know, how it is coaching our guys and just the pressure of having our own group and being responsible for something. It's not no. always there as GAs. We need to have that mindset for sure in everything that we do, but we need to learn because as soon as you're done being a GA, there is no more learning. You can still learn, yeah. but there's now you have to go and produce. Um, and you got it. And if you didn't take enough from your time learning, um, you're going to fail. And it's going to, it might take you a few years to get back to where you want to be. And you know, looking back, I don't think I necessarily failed, but I don't think I learned enough early on in my career, like to how to handle different situations within like a staff. And that's been the best thing I've learned through, you know, during the past three years is when to keep my mouth shut and when to end up for what you believe in. And also, um, you know, just the way I teach and progress my guys um, and stuff like that. So good. All right. This is one of my last questions, Mook. I know you've been awesome. So I appreciate you taking your time to talk to me, but 
I've been kind of doing this study and ask, asking different coaches on the best type of leadership style that they've been around and what they try to emulate. You know, I've doing, you know, I've written a lot of papers, in my undergrad on servant leadership. So I want to get your take on servant leadership and kind of what you think about it. And if you think it's one of the better forms of leadership that's out there. Um, yeah, I, th I think it is obviously. And we've kind of talked about it prior. Um, to me, there's two aspects of leadership that are important. And I don't, I don't know if this one will, will go under servant leadership, but to me, a leader needs to be able to equip whoever he's leading with the tools necessary to do their job and not leave them shorthanded in whatever fashion that may be, whether it's football or running a company or whatever. Um, for servant leadership, I think, I think when you're able to see the guy or girl that you're working for, who's leading you do tasks that, seem too small for that position that the leader's in, I think is a huge thing. Like see, seeing a coach, you know, pick up some trash off the field and put it in the trash can or filling up a water bottle that needs to be filled up or moving, moving a dummy that needs to go somewhere, you know, hopefully that stuff doesn't have to happen because that means some people aren't doing their jobs, but, but if, if like situations like that present itself and, uh, and also just like your leader being available to, their players. Um, I've, I've seen, I've seen a few coaches where that door is always closed in their office. It's almost like it's trying to get a meeting with the president. Yeah. And I've been a part of staffs that the door is always open and, and I've, I've been able to reap the benefits of that too. And that, that door open policy always came from coach Witten in my experience and from coach Kugler at UTEP. And uh, that, that was a big deal to me. And just, just being like we were talking about earlier, it's, it's that, to, to be a servant leader, I think you have to have that relationship too with your players and, and especially with everything that went on, went on, you know, this past year in the summertime and, and just with COVID and everything, being available to your players and listening to them. I think, I think listening is a huge part of being a servant leader is, is sometimes letting them talk and you just, just listening. Cause that, that does, that does a lot. Um, and like you said, it, learning when to kind of keep your mouth shut and just let, kind of the conversation roll on without you always having to give your input on stuff. Mm -hmm. No, I think you said a ton of great things right there that I just want to touch on a little bit, but being available, I think is awesome. You know, the wise old saying that we've all stolen is they won't do anything for you till they know that you care. Um, but that's, that's you being available, right. And just okay. putting yourself out there. Um, the door open policy, I think is awesome. You know, especially within facilities now where it's just a football facility we're all in there on the same team. Why not have your door open all the time? Yep. You know, the closed doors can also like send the wrong impression, but yep. uh, you know, and I think the biggest thing I learned from my head coach in college was I remember after a game, we got back late. I was leaving the locker room and my head coach was in there putting all of our jerseys into the washing machine or washing them. And it, I still have the, the picture in my head because fast forward five years later, I was at GA at that school, even as a full-time guy, um, I was the one doing all that. And was I frustrated at times, like getting back at 4 a.m. and having to go put the, you know, I had a special mix. I had to put it all in and put it in the washing. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I, you know, we were on the bus for 10 hours and those jerseys were disgusting. But um, it was always like, all right, if this guy who recruited me, who I think is one of the best humans in the entire world can do it, then I can shut up and do this right now. So, 
Um, and, I don't, and I think, you know, for any young guy that could be possibly be listening, it's just what you can never lose sight of that. And you can never lose your GA mindset when it comes to stuff, you know. Um, we don't always have to do the GA stuff, but just the GA mindset to me is you're behind the scenes. You get everything done um, to help your full-time guy you work for and help the team produce, and you do it best your ability, and you work. No matter what the task is, you get it done because you're trying to show people you can do it. You can't lose that sight when you, you know, don't have to do all that stuff anymore. You can do other things. So, um, yeah. Oh, sorry, I kind of rambled there. I get fired up about serving leadership. Yeah. No, that's good. I apologize. But, um, okay, you're young. You've been coaching for basically two years. Yeah. If you can count last year, you can't even count it. Um, <laughs> so um, what advice, I know you haven't done it, but what advice would you give any young guy kind of get into this profession or that you would give yourself – you know, when you were start first getting into it? Um, and see, see this, this is kind of a hard thing for me because a lot of it, I've, I've been blessed with timing on everything. I haven't been that because I'll just kind of, this is kind of a weird story, but I remember going to the AFCA and seeing all those resumes on those little tack boards of people just, just crawling to get something that I have. And I had to get two of them in less than a month. Everyone's looking for an AGA spot. And advice would to be is to, if you're playing right now, if you're a player to really try to connect with the coaches and even just kind of tell them, Hey, you know, I really, I really want to be a coach when I'm done playing. That's, that's what got me the GA spot at Tarleton was that coach Witten knew that when I was at UTEP coach Witten knew that when I was a senior in high school, I wanted to coach. Yeah. And make, just making that known, you know, and then, and they love talking to you about it. I remember when I was talking to Patton about coaching and how he came over with his defense and this, that, and, you know, Patton could get long-winded. Me and him talked for an hour on that. Yeah. Just striking up conversation about the profession with with guys. And it, and I don't, really don't have any advice if you're not in the college football world right now. Um, I know volunteering and interns, everyone's always trying to take those. So that's always a great start. But uh, – and, and and advice I give myself is – and it's pretty much what you said is – I remember when I came to Tulsa, I was trying real hard to kind of – make my mark and tell them how much I knew and, and all that stuff. And, and when I look back on, it, I kind of cringe because I sounded really dumb because I didn't understand what we were trying to do defensively yet. And I'm sitting there, I'm sitting here as a young GA who's just supposed to be typing in tags and I'm sitting there giving my two cents on how we should do something when, when I didn't even fully understand the defense yet, you know, yeah. that's that just me trying to make my mark on stuff. And sometimes sitting down and, and being quiet, is most of the time is not the bad way to go about stuff like that. No. And I, I completely agree. The being quiet part, mm-hmm. I think as young guys, especially when you're at a division one school, you're around, I said all the time here, we're around 10 other full-time guys who have are in spots where we want to be. You have 10 opportunities every day to learn, even within other people on the staff, you don't, you can include the DFO and chief of staff and, even the video people, because they're all where like they want it. You want to get a full time job. They're all where you want to be, but you have a chance to observe them every single day and ask them questions. Ask them questions. You know, just about their story and about their life. Advice they have for you, but just how they watch, how they coach, watch how they just carry themselves, how they recruit. Um, and you can take pieces from each person and make it your own, not copy someone, but take what you like, take what you don't like, and then make it into your own 
who you're going to be when you get that opportunity. Yep. Whether that opportunity is back, you know, D2, high school, whatever, it doesn't matter. It's still going to guide you to who you're going to be and how you're going to coach and influence young guys. Yep. Uh, I think a lot of people, we, <clears throat> we forget about that, trying to show what we know instead of just sitting back, being quiet, yep. and just listening just to how coaches talk and just yep. guys who have done it and are just intelligent and how they, because every coach is different, how they coach, you know, just, I don't know, I'm talking about the same stuff, but yeah. I'm going to really, and I think you can do that once you get a full-time job, but that's one of the things I'll miss the most about being a GA because I won't have, I might not have all the same time that I would if I, when I'm, you know, whenever I get that opportunity. So. Well, and don't, one thing that I do, and you kind of talked about it earlier about like trying to learn everything as a GA and learn as much as you can. I, a lot of times I get overwhelmed at how much I don't know. And, and a lot of that has to do with what's happened in the past year where these there's clinics 365 all day, every day. And I'll sit there. I love listening to them because I want to be a better DB coach. And there's all these footwork stuff, the DB footwork king, this and that, and all these techniques and philosophies and stuff. And it's like, man, that stuff's all good. But one, you can't take all of that because one, it's too much for you and it's too much for the player if you try to heat that on the player. Yeah. Don't – yeah, I always strive to learn, but don't get overwhelmed with trying to know every little thing about a position or a defense or a fit or stuff like that. Don't don't get overwhelmed by it. That that'd be something I'd give another young coach trying to get into this. For sure. I think you're right. Cause then you know all this stuff, but can you teach it? Yeah. You know, the thing I, I our quarterback coach told me is you gotta make it your own. If you keep copying other people. When it, when it comes down to it and you don't have an answer, you better have an answer. And if it's not yours, you may not have that answer. But if it's your yeah. stuff and you created it and it's your thoughts and obviously taking pits and people, but you'll be able to figure out an answer and how you can help your guys, whatever that you know, the problem is. So, yeah. Well, all right, Mookie, I appreciate you, man. Um, I think, you know, you're on here because you're young and I know I, I like to kind of get sometimes a, older people for their stories and stuff but from the time I met you I think you're going to be a great coach and you challenged me and I just loved arguing and talking about things with you all the time so um you have a very bright future and I can't wait to see what you do and how many lives you're an impact in this awesome profession that we get to do every day so I appreciate it. that means a lot the same for you Mac you know I ask you 100 questions a day on, on coaching, how, to, how to deal with stuff so I'm, I'm learning from you well, typically it's about golf though. And I don't, you know, yeah, golf, golf too. Yeah, that's <laughs> important too. Well, all right, man. Well, uh, I appreciate everybody out there listening. This is another episode of the three to one podcast with coach Mac with our guest Mookie Carlisle. Um, you guys have a great evening and we'll see you next time. <laughs>